Um, there's two readings this morning. And the first one is from Romans chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 9 to the end of the chapter. And it's entitled, Love in Action. <clears throat> and it's on, yeah. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And the second reading is from um, Matthew chapter 5, um, and it's verses 21 to 26, and it's on page 969 of the Bible, of the Pew Bibles. <clears throat> you have heard that it, that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Father, please speak to us now and help us to bear each other's burdens. In Jesus' name, amen. Those prayers should stay in your minds longer than what I have to say. Who says 
God or Tim doesn't have a sense of humor uh, in getting me to talk about this. Um, I've struggled with anger all my life. Sin spoils and spreads and separates us from God. Anger, to Jesus, brings judgment. But is all anger sin? God's righteous anger is described in both the New Testament and the Old Testament, particularly in response to injustice, disobedience, lack of faith, some of the things we talked about this morning, or somebody did. And if we think that the God of the New Testament is somehow different from the God of the Old Testament, then perhaps we have a small concept of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus to atone for sin and to reconcile us to God, to each other, and the world to himself. Reconciliation is not cheaply bought, and it's surely not unnecessary. The Old Testament prophets um, are angry on God's behalf, warning of judgment and urging repentance. God's righteous anger is not sin. God is holy, holy. This requires a response, but not from me today. Anyway, we believe, don't we, in God's righteous anger, otherwise we wouldn't say, and on that cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. We wouldn't sing that if we didn't believe it. So, for Christians, do we think it's right to express our feelings, to share them, act them out, indulge them, to respond from the heart? Oh, right. <laughs> you can have too much of a good thing. <laughs> Volume. <laughs> Anger is an expression of feeling, isn't it? And sometimes it's immediate, and sometimes it's very, very hot. Um, and it comes in a range, an exclamation of discomfort and uh, disappointment about hitting my head again on the garage door. Strong words at a cyclist uh, who jumps a red light, putting himself and other people at risk of a serious smash. My determination to make a point in an argument to the extent of risking losing not the argument, but the friend. Expressions of feelings, whatever they are, and however expressed, Whatever you are, whenever you want, whenever you, whatever you need. There's a song, but I can't remember it. It's all about me, isn't it? They're my feelings and expressions. There's righteous indignation, I think, about injustice, exploitation. Is that justified? Should an individual take revenge, take action on or against these, these platforms, literal or media platforms through hatred or self-seeking. Society takes revenge through the rule of the law. Righteous anger, an individual perhaps taking revenge, is a very dangerous matter for human beings. Uh, Tom Lehrer, not in Tim's book, uh, said, I know there are people in this world who do not love their fellow man. And I hate people like that. <laughs> Anger, hate, and revenge, which are all linked, really put love 
in jeopardy. Matthew 5 explains the view Jesus took on sin. And we say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says that anger, even in words alone, equates to murder. And reading on in the next section on lust, intent can be treated as the completed act. Entertaining the thought, it's, a, it's an impossibly high standard, isn't it? But most obvious expressions uh, of human love don't include anger at whatever definition of love we use. Humans do see anger as damaging to themselves and damaging to other people. Might be prepared to entertain it um, if it's amusing uh, or in gladiatorial sport. Consider King Lear, please, just for a minute. It's a play about anger and family relationships. When his retirement plan does not meet with universal acclaim amongst his daughters, the king finds that one of them won't join in the game show Who Loves Me Most? And as a result, he's angry. And that leads to all sorts of things. Smashed relationships, bad judgment, adultery, murder, fratricide, sorricide, torture, banishment, collapse of the rule of law, injustice, madness, civil war, apostasy, the horrors of a fascist regime, bringing in the French, and the king goes mad, strangles the man he's seen, killing his daughter in prison. Anger can be deadly even from a human observation. And it can burn like wildfires, out of control and very costly. It can keep feud, long-held grudges alive. It suspends reason, inhibition, humanity, foresight, and it leads to disproportionate reaction. Phobia, racism, all sorts of isms, and mental and spiritual ill health. I heard a little while ago on the radio a Greek who was asked by journalists, what started the recent wildfires in Greece that have destroyed so many homes and uh, places of work and crops and precious water and all sorts of other things? Expecting the answer, climate change. Instead, the man said, the Macedonians. <laughs> Anger, like pride, puts any one of us at the center of his own or her own world. And it can be, as a result, very lonely. So let's consider Cain in Genesis 4. Cain the cultivator and his brother Abel the shepherd each brought an offering to God who accepted Abel's but not Cain's. The text states that Cain was very angry. And in verse 5 God says, why are you angry? Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Cain didn't master his anger, killed his brother. God's response was to cut Cain off from the land he cultivated and from his remaining family. And he went away from the presence of God, a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Anger really does separate man from God and man from other people. It may have a long-term effect too. The great-great-great-grandson of Cain, uh, Lamech, uh, boasted to his wives in the same chapter, I have killed a man for wounding me. 
a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, Lamech's revenge is seventyfold. Boasting about this, disproportionate response, revenge. That's the reason uh, for limiting compensation to an eye for an eye, uh, rather than many millions of dollars for a verbal slur. But the antidote is forgiveness. Peter asked, how often do I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus replied, 70 times seven. Two perfect numbers, or numbers connoting perfection, uh, an infinite number of times. C can we help the angry man? The priest inflamed the crowd to anger on Good Friday after Pilate tried to acquit Jesus. So he changed his mind in fear of Caesar. It can be a political weapon, but those who stir up anger in others may not be blameless for what happens. We do hear, don't we, of politicians and journalists and action groups and so on trying to provoke um, uh, a hasty reaction when they interview people, particularly if they interview them outside their houses. And laws are new, new laws are called to prevent people demonstrating outside people's houses and uh, angrily calling for freedom of speech while deplatforming them at the same time. And uh, anybody who disagrees is howled down. Terrible threats on social media, really terrible threats. Uh, because a footballer last Tuesday, or a rugby referee the Saturday before that, had made, made someone angry by his decision. His decision didn't make those people angry. might have marred or interfered with their selfish desires, but they threatened to kill his wife and children. And that's not kind. So could we help others resist temptations to give in to anger, bear one another's burdens? Romans 14 says, don't put a stumbling block in each other's way. And this Proverbs say, a soft answer turns away wrath. Speak truth in love rather than win an argument and lose the kingdom. But sometimes people are angry because they feel let down by family or by friends, by justice, um, the church, or even by God. So think about Samson for a moment in Judges 13 to 16. Miracle birth story, angelic command, calling, the promise that he would begin to save Israel from the Philistines. He grew up and the spirit of God began to stir in him, it says in 13.5. He saw a Philistine woman uh, and asked his parents to arrange their marriage. They weren't keen, but they didn't know, the word says, that God was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines who were ruling Israel at the time. So God is involved in all these circumstances. He made a wager with the Philistines, betting 30 double suits of clothes on their not guessing his riddle. They threatened Samson's wife. Entice your husband to tell you the riddle or we'll burn you and your father's house with fire. That's quite a strong, angry reaction. She nagged him. He told her. She told them. The Spirit of the Lord rushed on Samson, not the first time, and he got the clothes by killing 30 Philistines, and he went home in hot anger. That's the only time that anger is mentioned about Samson in the passages about him in Judges. 
Her father gave his daughter to Samson's best man. Now, by now you think ang anger is a strong possibility in Samson, wouldn't you? Anyway, when he goes back to see his wife, the father offers him his other daughter, prettier. Samson set fire to the Philistines standing corn and their stored corn. They burned the wife and her father to death. Samson swore revenge and said, after that, I'll quit. In other words, he'd stop. But the Philistines uh, didn't. He smoked them hip and thigh. But they carried on, they invaded Israel, and they sacked the Israelite camp. By now, it's all out war over this relationship and anger. 3,000 men of Judah betrayed Samson, their judge and leader. They seized him, tied him up, and left him outside the camp for the Philistines, who came shouting to meet him. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him again. The ropes melted off his hands, and he found a jawbone of an ass, and he killed a 1,000 men. And then God, because he was very thirsty, broke open the rock and provided water for him. And that's all before the other parts of Samson's story. His other two Philistine women in his betrayal capture death and his greatest victory as a type of Christ. So was he to blame for anger or did God use him for his purposes? When someone is angry, perhaps look for the cause rather than just the anger, see if there's something that can be done to help. Coping with our own anger, 1 Peter 4, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Not, not the easiest thing to say when somebody is angry, but perhaps when he isn't, that might be a help. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Cast anxieties on him, he cares for you. Be sober-minded, resist the devil. The Psalms have a a refrain about forsaking wrath and refraining from anger, Psalm 37. And they cry out lots of times about injustice and things that are causing deep distress. And then they surrender retribution to God. They surrender to God the desire for revenge, for injustice, for God to put right. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord. He will deliver you. And consider carefully, prayerfully, whether what we're angry about is really a justice issue or whether it's a revenge issue. Because God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. In Deuteronomy and in Hebrews, there's a story in Genesis 34 of Dinah's rape by Shechem and of her brother's revenge. Um, they don't just take revenge on Shechem, they also sack the entire city and all the people in it and enslave the children. And this makes Jacob, their father, their, their countryman, and by implication God, stink to the inhabitants of the land. That might be called an honor killing. If there's ever an oxymoron, I think that's it. An honor killing with self-assessed compensation or unjustified angry 
vengeful, murder for greed. I think they're probably both sinful. But it all looks very poignant in the light of the Middle East at the moment. The principle, leave it to God, to sort out, is repeated in Romans 12, the first passage we had today. That's very demanding. It's not just leave it to God, it's bless those who persecute you. And Paul repeats, repay no man with evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Suggesting that forgiving and praying for forgiveness for an enemy is how we should address somebody's anger and suggest that anger and seeking revenge it's only anger gone cold and deliberate is evil. But Ephesians 4, this is perhaps confusing, it says, be angry and sin not, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I think it means if you lose it. Don't commit another sin and be reconciled before bedtime. Give no opportunity to the devil. Put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Be kind to one another. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. Self-control is part of the description of the fruit of the spirit. And for those of us who need extra care in this, expressing ourselves with care and asking forgiveness. What about Jesus? Was he angry? The two occasions that you usually come up are when he cursed the scribes and the Pharisees for wrong teaching, seven woes in Matthew 23. As God, he'd be entitled to do that. And he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And so we have to take it that whatever he did then was not sinful. But what did actually happen? It's Matthew 23, and the context shows Jesus as a Messiah and prophet, like an Old Testament prophet calling for repentance and telling the people that they in the temple will be left desolate until they recognize him as Messiah. Well, that was a fair warning. It did happen, and it seems to be still the case. We're waiting for his return. The other is in Matthew 21, when Jesus cleanses the temple. The temple is a place of sacrifice and of the law, and it mustn't be defiled. So defiled things not allowed in, including coins with images of rulers against the second commandment, don't make an image. So these everyday coins in circulation with which you would buy your sheep or your pigeons for uh, your sacrifice, for your forgiveness, uh, can't be used in the temple. So you have to change them into temple money which doesn't have an image on it at a price. And the changes of money are there in the temple to do that. Images in the temple were taken very, very seriously in those days. It was images on Roman uh, flags, standards, being taken into the temple, which triggered the war between um, Jews and the Romans, which ended in AD 70 with the destruction of the temple. And you've got competing sacrifice sellers, as well as those people changing the money. Very noisy, and it can be hard to pray and hard to hear others' prayers if it's noisy. So Jesus drives them out, cleanses the temple. What else would the Son of God do going to the temple, the place where God's seemed to dwell with his people? And he tells them that a house of prayer has been turned into a den of thieves. 
and that's zeal. But that's holy zeal. Jesus can do that, I think, a little bit more safely than we can. It seems to be holy zeal, a, de a deliberate, God-centered, prophetically recognized, biblically authorized act, rather than a loss of self-control. And zeal is linked to good purposes, both in the passage we have here and um, in Galatians 5. So righteous indignation might be rather rare amongst people as well as dangerous. So is it right always to express our feelings? If you think it is, 1 Corinthians 6 says this, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient or helpful. All things are lawful unto me, but I will not be brought under the control of any or enslaved by anything. So I do sometimes feel enslaved by my feelings. It's important to resist anger in ourselves rather than let our feelings of the moment rip and cause damage. And when we do sin in anger or anything else, let's resist that sulking, self-excusing or accusing or despairing aftermath. Let's forgive and seek forgiveness and seek reconciliation with God and our neighbor. All the disciples met up, failed at one time or another. Jesus took the initiative and 11 of them were restored, not just Peter. Anger's not unforgivable, but let's treat it seriously in ourselves and in others in humility and love and kindness.